Welcome to the Finding True Health podcast, episode number nine, where we're going to dive into the power of our thoughts and our mindset. All right, here we go. Hey there, friends. My name is Jenna Waite. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, mother of five, and someone who's passionate about helping others find true health in the midst of diet culture and body objectification. Join me as we take our focus off of weight and body size and put it on to becoming the healthiest possible versions of ourselves so that we can have energy to live our best lives. I'm so excited you're here. Now let's dive in. Hello, how are you doing today? I am doing good now, but I'm not going to lie, I had a really rough morning. Uh, I'll give you a quick recap of the first few hours of my day today. I woke up and my son wasn't up, who's usually up early getting ready for school. So I went in and got him up and turns out he had high blood sugar all night. So he is a type 1 diabetic. He's 13 years old. And his pump had run out of insulin at night. And so he had really high blood sugar. He had ketones in his blood, which makes him feel really sick. So he got up, he threw up, was feeling yucky. And so anyway, we kind of had to deal with that. And he was late to school. I had to call the school and let him know he was going to be late. And then my eight-year-old, who is a gifted child, and if there are any other moms out there of gifted children, you can probably understand their brains just kind of work a little differently than a lot of ours. And my son in particular, he just kind of has, he's not very flexible, and especially in the mornings. And so if he wakes up even a couple minutes after when he thinks he should to have enough time, he just goes crazy. And he feels like he doesn't have enough time to get ready. He's super grumpy, even though he does have plenty of time. And so this morning, he was throwing a big tantrum because he felt like he didn't have enough time to do his regular morning routine. And then my three-year-old Elaine, a little while after all this, decided she wanted to take a shower. And so I got her in and washed her up. And then she wanted to stay and play. So I was out getting ready and suddenly hear these blood-curdling screams from the shower. And she had just lathered soap all over her head and her face. And it was getting in her eyes. And so she had this huge meltdown because her eyes were burning. And anyway, so it just was kind of one thing after another. And I was kind of reminded of the importance of the topic that we're going to be covering today. I found some really unhelpful thoughts creeping into my head. Thoughts like, he always forgets to check his pump before bed, or he's the most stubborn child ever, or what was she thinking? (laughs) And I even caught myself having the thought, why did we decide to have kids again? So not very kind or helpful or useful thoughts. And it took some real effort to not let my monkey brain kind of take over in the heat of each moment this morning and to intentionally choose thoughts that helped me have more patience and more compassion for my children and for each of their struggles. So that kind of leads us into our topic. Let's talk about the power of thoughts. I love the quote that I heard a while back that goes, change your thoughts, change your life. And this is a common rift off of a quote from Norman Vincent Peale, who was a clergyman in the mid-1900s and author of the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. And Peale is known for saying, change your thoughts and you change your world. I realize that these are bold statements, that we can change our world or our life by simply changing how we think. 
Most people I talk to believe on some level that thoughts are certainly important, but in this episode, we're going to explore really how important they are. I like this quote from Dr. Seth Gillihan. He wrote the book, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Made Simple, which is a great book. But he said, for something that can't be seen, heard, or measured, thoughts have incredible power. Our mood for an entire day can hinge on how we interpret a single disappointment. Thoughts can also have a profound effect on our behavior, affecting whether we forgive or retaliate, engage or withdraw, persevere or give up. And another uh, quote I like from the Buddha says, nothing can harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. We have thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of thoughts each day. I've heard estimates anywhere from 7,000 to 80,000. I'm sure it's hard to really gauge how many thoughts people have, and I don't think that the exact number is important, but I think we can all agree that we have a lot of thoughts each day, and it would be impossible to try and control or analyze every single thought that popped into our heads. But I do think that there's great value in examining and questioning at least some of them, particularly the ones that we feel are holding us back from accomplishing our goals and maybe keeping us from living our best lives. So let's just get really basic here and talk about what thoughts are. What is a thought? I know that you have a general idea of what a thought is, but how would you actually define it? A thought is just something we think, right? In fact, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a thought as, quote, something that is thought. So it can be kind of hard to define what a thought is. But the dictionary also says that the essential meaning of a thought is an idea, plan, opinion, or picture that is formed in your mind. I also like to describe thoughts in these four ways. Number one, thoughts are words or sentences in our head. So they can just be a single word, something like, finally, or like I had this question this morning, really? Or yes, or no, or why? It can just be one word. Uh, more often, maybe they're sentences. So something like, nobody ever helps out around here, or these kids are driving me crazy, or maybe a kinder thought like, I have the nicest sister in the world, or uh, they're just these sentences that are going on in our heads. Number two, thoughts are stories about how we see life. This includes our opinions, our attitudes, our judgments, our ideals and beliefs, our theories, etc. So these types of thoughts often show up in thing, in with words like should or shouldn't. Um, it might sound like people should or shouldn't um, lie, steal, serve others get the COVID vaccine, spank their kids, believe in God, uh, keep their house clean. There's all sorts of opinions that people have that come up in their thoughts. In regards to health, this would look something like people should or shouldn't eat lots of vegetables, exercise regularly, eat sugar, eat carbs, eat eggs, drink milk. There's all sorts of opinions and beliefs and judgments about um, what we should and shouldn't eat and how we should and shouldn't move and things like that. Thoughts are also, number three, stories about what we want to do with our life. So our plans, our goals, our strategies, our wishes, our values. These can be seen in, in thoughts like, I hope I can travel a lot when I retire, or I'd love to start my own business. 
or I wish I could improve my health. Or something maybe more short-term or specific, something like I'm going to make spaghetti for dinner tonight, or I need to pick up my kids after school. Just these kinds of plans that we have for our life. We also have stories about what other people do with their lives. And this sometimes can be good, oftentimes is bad, but you might have thoughts like, I hope my daughter gets into that college, or I wish my son was more flexible in the morning, or other opinions again and beliefs about how others should be or how you would want them to be. And then the fourth way I like to define thoughts is my favorite way. And this is that they are a combination of facts and fiction. This was a huge light bulb moment for me when I learned this. I think we all know this intellectually, that our thoughts aren't always true. But I have to continually, even to this day, remind myself of this because our brains like to think that they're right. And we often forget this small but really important point all of the time that not all of our thoughts are facts. Some of them are, sure, but Many, many, many of them are not. Anais Nin said it well when she said, we do not see things as they are, we see them as we are. And I was reminded of the truthfulness of the statement actually when, as I watched my three-year-old Elaine playing in the park one day a little while back, there were several other kids running all around and Elaine began playing this game of good guys and bad guys with the other kids. Now, the trick is none of the other kids realized that they were playing this game with her. She was kind of in her own little world. She had this little stick in her hand that was her weapon. And she'd run over to me every once in a while trying to get away from the bad guys. Or she'd say something like, I'm the bad guy now. And then run back over to the kids. And <laughs> and these other kids had no idea they were playing this. They were just running around doing their own thing. But in Elaine's head, all of these kids were her friends and they were all playing this fun game together with her. So it was just kind of funny that in her mind, she had a relationship with these kids. She was playing this game with them. And in their minds, they didn't even realize that she existed. And even though Elaine is a little kid, we adults do this too. We have all sorts of thoughts and stories going on in our heads that really shape our reality. And it feels so real that we often don't pause to realize how much of it is just truly in our heads and is not actual reality. We often take our thoughts too seriously and we act like every thought we have is the truth. But in actuality, the vast majority of our thoughts are simply that they're just thoughts. So this can just be a really important fact to remember as we explore some thoughts that maybe aren't serving you, aren't serving your health, that you want to change or get rid of, to just always keep that in mind that thoughts are just thoughts. They are not always facts. All right, now I want to get into a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy. There's a visual, a visual I like to show my students um, about how thoughts and feelings and behaviors all relate to each other. So if you can envision kind of like a triangle, and there's three different points, and at one point is thoughts, and then feelings at another point, and behaviors at another point. And there are arrows between each of these points in the triangle. So our thoughts, both conscious and subconscious, produce our feelings, and those feelings produce more thoughts. And these thoughts and feelings both lead to behaviors, so our actions, our reactions, or sometimes our inaction. And then these actions or lack of actions lead to more thoughts and more feelings. 
and this cycle kind of just goes around. So they all play on each other. They all affect each other, our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And then there's another arrow coming off of the behaviors corner of the triangle, and that arrow points to results. So our behaviors, our actions, reactions, and inactions, again, that we take based on our thoughts and feelings lead us to the results that we have in our lives. And then those results kind of go back into that circle that those lead to more thoughts and more feelings and more behaviors. I've also seen this shown as a little more simple model where at the top you have circumstances. So this could be defined as the hard facts of any situation. And then those circumstances lead to thoughts. The thoughts lead to feelings. The feelings lead to actions. And then the actions lead to results. That's often an easier way for people to conceptualize this concept, and that that is a common way for it to work. I do think it's a little more complex than that, but I think that the really important thing here to remember is that our thoughts are powerful and that they play both an indirect and a direct role in creating the results in our life. So I want to do a little exercise. I want you to think about the types of feelings and then behaviors that these thoughts might result in. How about the thought... I'm so worthless. I have the power to change my life. I'm very likable. I can't seem to do anything right. I'm a hard worker. Why even try? I'll just fail again. These are all just thoughts. They can't be proven. They can't be disproven. But you can see that each statement evokes certain feelings, and those feelings are absolutely going to have an effect in how you show up in the world or for a project or or what be it, and ultimately the results that you get. So where do our thoughts come from? Most of our thoughts are habitual. Many of them are subconscious. They're affected by other people in our lives, um, our past, things that have happened in the past, again, our beliefs, our values our life circumstances, society as a whole. Russ Harris said it well. He's author of a book called The Happiness Trap. And he said, the fact is, we don't choose most of the thoughts in our head. We do choose a small number of them when we're actively planning or mentally rehearsing or being creative. But most of the thoughts in our head just, quote, show up of their own accord. We have many thousands of useless or unhelpful thoughts every day. And no matter how harsh, cruel, silly, vindictive, critical, frightening, or downright weird they may be, we can't prevent them from popping up. But just because they appear doesn't mean we have to take them seriously or give them much attention. And I want to emphasize that last sentence because it's a really important one. Just because they appear doesn't mean we have to take them seriously or even give them much attention. There's a type of therapy called acceptance commitment therapy that I found to be really useful when doing this mind work. One technique I like is called thought diffusion, which is used to basically reduce the power we give to certain thoughts and decrease our attention or attachment to them. So if you're really struggling with certain harmful thoughts that you can't seem to let go of, you might benefit from working with a therapist who specializes in this cognitive behavioral therapy or acceptance commitment therapy. So you might be asking, well, should I just try to to think positive thoughts then? I used to believe that changing my mindset meant that I just needed to think more positively. 
And you still hear versions of the positive thinking messages popularized by Mr. Peel and others all over the place. It sounds logical. Think more positive thoughts and you'll have a more positive or happy life, right? But after studying the concept of cognitive behavioral therapy, I learned that there's really no such thing as positive or negative thoughts. Now you might be thinking, what? <laughs> I, have you gone a little crazy? Now, hear me out. Some thoughts that sound positive might actually produce a negative result in your life. Other thoughts that sound negative might actually produce a positive effect. It all depends on the feeling and the behaviors that that thought produces. Two people could have the exact same thought or belief and have it lead to completely different feelings and actions in their lives. Or even the same person could have a thought that leads to positive results in one scenario and negative results in another one. So let's take some examples. What about the thought, my body is beautiful? Is that body positivity or is that vanity? How about, I want to eat healthy food or I want to be healthy? This could lead to having more healthy behaviors in your life or this could lead to food obsession or even an eating disorder. How about, I want to increase my exercise? Kind of the same thing. This might help you get more needed physical activity into your day or this could cause you to start over-exercising and becoming obsessive about exercising. What about, I'm going to start planning my meals? This could result in some healthy meal planning and prep that helps you have healthier meals in your day. Or this could lead to obsessing about everything you're going to eat each day and maybe even having some orthorexic tendencies. So as you can see, the helpfulness or the unhelpfulness of a thought is dependent on the person thinking the thought and the situation or the context surrounding that thought. And as I mentioned a minute ago, the exact same thought could be helpful in some, in some instances and unhelpful in others. The important question is, what kind of feelings and behaviors does that thought bring for you in that instance? So it's not as cut and dry as just think positive thoughts. When we really think about it, it'd be kind of weird and not very helpful to only think positive, happy thoughts all day. There are certain times and scenarios when I'm going to want to think a thought that might not make me feel very good, but that will still be helpful and move me closer to my goals or help me show up in a certain way. So going back to my morning today, as I found myself getting impatient and frustrated, I realized that I needed to start thinking thoughts that were going to help me have more compassion for my kids. So I tried on thoughts like, it must be really hard to remember to keep your pump full of insulin when you're 13. Now that thought actually made me a little sad because it reminded me of how hard it has been for my son to have diabetes. But it also helped me not get so upset at him and to be more patient and understanding. I also thought, I wonder what it's like to have a brain that gets so stuck on certain ideas. I didn't try to think, I love that Ethan is throwing this tantrum and is so un unflexible right now. I didn't try to get myself to a happy place. I don't even know if it was really possible in that moment. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think it'd be very helpful either to think maybe positively about that situation. But I found that just trying to feel curious about what it must be like to be in his brain helped me to calm down. Thought work can be really challenging. 
<laughs> I will be the first to tell you that it was not easy for me to get my brain switched over to trying to think more compassionate and curious thoughts this morning. It requires three steps, each of which can be really hard to navigate. The first one is recognizing and identifying our unhelpful thoughts and not just running on autopilot with what we're thinking. Remember, many of our thoughts are just habits. It's just default programming. And so the easy thing and the thing that I often do is just let my brain go. Let it do what it wants to do and just let it think the thoughts that keep popping into my head. It takes some real effort to kind of slow it down, stop, and really pinpoint those trouble thoughts. And then the second step, which is also can also be kind of difficult, is choosing a more useful thought that you actually believe because it needs to be a believable thought. And that can, that can help you show up as the kind of person you want to be in that moment. And then the third um, step, if you will, is that you need to practice that thought. If it's, if it's a habitual thought that you feel is coming up often in your life and preventing you from certain things, then you need to start practicing your new thought until that eventually becomes your default thought. And you don't have to consciously choose that thought anymore. It just pops up like the old one did. And that takes time, it takes practice, it takes effort. It's not an easy thing. So be patient with yourself as you try working on your thoughts. And again, please reach out to someone for help if needed. All right, I want to end this episode with giving you a few strategies to use when you notice an unhelpful or unwanted thought pop into your head. The first option you have is that you can diffuse the thought to give it less power over you. Now, I mentioned this technique earlier. And there are many different ways to diffuse a thought, but one way I like is to simply put the phrase, I'm having the thought that, or I notice I'm having the thought that, before the thoughts that might feel super important, but that aren't helping you. So for example, I'm having the thought that my thighs are so big. I notice I'm having the thought that I'm too lazy to work out. This simple phrase just helps remind your brain that, what it's thinking isn't necessarily a fact, and that can really help give you a chance to simply ignore the thought and just let it pass on by. I kind of like to think of diffusing a thought the same way as maybe diffusing a bomb. It's not necessarily getting rid of it. The bomb is still there. It's just lost its power. It's lost its potential to explode and send you spiraling downward and um, really giving this thought power over your life. The thought might come up again and you just recognize this is just a thought and you can kind of just let it float on by in your brain. Or the second technique is you have the option to reframe the thought. Reframing is also called cognitive restructuring and it's when you find a way to really analyze a problematic thought and replace it with a more useful one. Again, there are several ways to do this, but one of the simplest ways is to use what's called the turnaround technique. This is when you list a statement, the exact opposite of the current thought, and then you find evidence for how that opposite thought is true. This can't really be done with all thoughts that are problematic, but it works on a lot of them. So for example, an unhelpful thought that I find popping into my brain often is, I don't like making dinner. Anybody else out there have this thought? Now, if I take the opposite statement of that thought, I like making dinner, I can actually find some evidence that it's true. I do like being able to feed my family home-cooked meals most nights of the week. I like sitting down together as a family and eating. I like certain parts of cooking. 
I like the smell of dinner cooking in the oven or on the stove as it fills the house. I like finding new recipes that at least half of my family likes. This is my gauge of a good recipe because it's nearly impossible to please all seven of us at once. I also like eating leftovers for lunch. So that's another benefit of making dinner. So if I find this thought, oh, I just hate making dinner, pop into my head, then I can just remind myself of all these opposite but also true thoughts. And that just helps redirect my brain and make it so that cooking dinner isn't such a dreadful task. So I really encourage you to start paying closer attention to your thoughts this week, particularly your thoughts around food, around your body, and around your health. Start writing them down as they come up. Write down the ones that appear good or positive, and also the ones that appear bad or negative, and then examine them and decide which ones are helping you reach your health goals in life, and which ones might need to be diffused or reframed. If you would like more help with this, I invite you to check out my online course at healththroughhabits.com. We work a lot on thought work in that course. And I hope that you found this podcast valuable and helpful and I wish you the best of luck in doing this sometimes difficult, but super important and super rewarding thought work. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I will talk to you next week. Bye for now. Do you want to ditch diets and eat more intuitively, but you're just not sure how? Well, I have a course designed just for you. Help Through Habits is where intuitive eating meets habit formation. It's a step-by-step guide for turning the principles of intuitive eating into doable, sustainable habits in your life so you can become the healthiest possible version of yourself. This is where the magic happens, my friends. This is how true health is achieved. You're not going to want to miss out on this life-changing course, so head on over to healththroughhabits.com to check it out.